stocks, bonds, equities, tithing. What does it all mean to me as a Christian? Welcome to a special episode of The Deep End. I am Jody Bowden, Executive Pastor of Next Gen Ministries, and I'm joined in the studio today by Dan Rayberg, who you should all recognize from our part one of our series, A Fool and His Money, along with Lisa Collagio, who, along with her husband and Dan, teach the Financial Peace University here at our church. Now, for this special edition, we asked you guys for questions and answers, and hopefully, through experience, knowledge, and biblical guidance, we will be able to answer those for you today. Now, sit back and get comfortable. It's time for The Deep End. Welcome. Pastor will be back in a couple of weeks. You're stuck with me today, but we ask that next week, don't tune in. We won't be here. Nobody's going to be here. We want you in our church for our first Wednesday. We want you guys to enjoy that. Come in, be part of it, except for it's on Tuesdays now. So (laughs) first Tuesdays, I'm still getting used to that. Are you guys still getting used to that? It threw me off the whole time. He's like, let's call it first Tuesdays, first Wednesdays. Now it's on the second Tuesday of this month. You guys know how it works. We want to see you there. We won't be here. But why don't you guys introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves and why you're here today. My name is Lisa Collagio, and I've been a facilitator of Financial Peace University for, we are going on course number 18. We are in the middle of it right now, and it is amazing. It's amazing to see people learn about money, realize where they're at and where they want to go and change their lives. Yeah, my name is Dan Rayberg. So I've been uh, at Water since about 2012, and I took financial peace that year. Lisa was my teacher, so uh, student is now with the master. And uh, you know, I've been teaching financial peace about five, six years now. Something I want to be clear about: me and Lisa are not financial advisors at all. We don't pretend to be. Uh, we're just a couple of Christians that are passionate because we believe we've heard the truth. And we've seen what the truth can do to people's lives when they take control of their finances. So not giving you investment advice, just going to try to uh, change your behaviors to win with money. Great. All right. I think we just jump right into it. So uh, as always, if you guys have questions, you can text those in to 508-316-933. We have your questions here in front of us, and we're going to start right where we should when we're talking about money and we're talking about the church, and that's with tithing. So question number one. Should we tithe on our gross or our net income? Oh boy, the ultimate evangelical Christian question. Uh, I think it's a good it's a good lead into. Listen, a lot of the things we're talking about today are not salvation issues. Uh, they're instructions from a father that loves you. You know, so will non tithers go to heaven? Yeah, you know, but God wants things to go well with you here. Uh, you know, statistics show that less than three percent of Christians are tithing at all. So what does it even matter? You know, you're probably not doing it anyways. So if we can get you to do one of them, you're probably far ahead of the rest of the field. Um, no, but honestly, I think it, I think it talks about uh, where your heart is at. You know, mm. I continue to pray about it, and I don't know if there necessarily is a right answer. I personally tithe off the gross. You know, that's where uh, God has led my heart. And, you know, Dave Ramsey says, if I'm wrong, when I get up to heaven, I want to be on the high side. Uh, you know, so that's just how I've always done it. You know, if you're not tithing, I don't think you need to be guilted into it. I think it's something I'd pray about. Allow the Lord to work on your heart um, because he wants things to go well with you. Mm. 
I totally agree, um, Dan. And it is a heart thing. And when you're ready, you will know it. And it's between you and God. We are we're called to do it. You shouldn't be guilted into it, like Dan said. Um, when you're living according to biblical principles, you will want to do it. Um, tithe is first fruits. It's off the top. Um, it's you, you can't tithe at the end because there's never nothing left. It, that's just how it works. Um, and that's to your local storehouse, uh, your local church. And sometimes people get confused with tithe and offerings. An offering is above the tithe. Um, and that's freely given, that's off a surplus. And just so, you know, so we're clear on tithing and offering because some people just, they say them synonymously and they wrap them all into one. Um, and I do want to say that we have come across people that give and they're not taking care of their own household. It is so important to be taking care of your own household um, or you are worse than an unbeliever. You need to be taking care of your house. You need to make sure you have food, clothing, shelter. Your bills are paid. Um, your, you know, your heat is paid and stuff like that. The basic principles. Um, you need to take care of that. And, and then you're... Um, I would say also the one thing that uh, the tide does for me is it gives me a clear uh, understanding of ownership, right? Mm -hmm. Every time you yeah. give... It's a chance for the Lord to work on your heart to remind you, man, this is not mine. You know, there's a bigger purpose here. You're trusting in the 401k of heaven, right? Not the 401k here on earth. Yeah, the, the true retirement plan, right? right yeah. <laughs> the one that we should all be investing in. Yeah, right. exactly. I've always looked at tithing from the aspect of we look at that, you know, how the Lord's going to bless mm -hmm. us through giving back. So how do you want to be blessed on your net or your gross? That's why I've always failed over to that to that gross, just like you said. It's just what I've always felt in my heart. That's what I've always thought. Like this is just where I'm called. But you know, just like you said, let's let's give those first fruits, and that's really where it comes from. Yeah, and God says, you know, in Malachi to put him to the test. You yeah. know, test him on that, and that's the only time He says that in the Bible. I can only speak of my testimony is that God has been very, uh, you know, He's been He's been diligent through my tithe. He's been, you know, He's been truthful. And he's been I put him to the test, and He's been there. Word does not come up void. Yeah, but try to show me that person that's out giving God. I can yeah. help him. Well, maybe have a different conversation then. But <laughs> that's great. All right, question two, still on that tithing topic. It says, help. My husband and I are constantly at odds with each other over tithing and spending. He is very frugal, and I spend much more freely. Some of our biggest arguments, though, are over tithing. How do you handle this? Should I just tithe on what I make so we don't argue so much? Um, I can personally talk on this um when my husband and i started i was a tither and he wasn't and we had the discussion and i told him i am going to start tithing and he said what are you doing and let me grab the bible and let's talk about this and we he he we read and read and read and he says if we're going to do this we're doing this together but at, at first there was some resistance and if you are in different playing fields um, I'm not sure in this question if the husband is a believer um, from the question it makes me think he is not so if if you are if you're if one of you is a Christian and one of you is not you will be um, in different places right and so I would start where you where you're at. Um. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, 
this part about being a saver and a spender, mm. that is very common. You're not alone there. You know, naturally in class, we see all the time. It, one person is a natural saver. One person's a natural spender. You know, Dave says that if you're both alike, then one of you aren't needed, you know? So God is putting you together to work together. You know, as far as the tithe go, goes, if he's not a Christian, then that's a whole separate mm-hmm. you know, entity. If he is a Christian, then it comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter what I think or you think. Let's talk about what God thinks. You know, mm-hmm. God, his instruction for a, a better life here on earth is that tithing uh, is good for your financial. And if it seems weird, how was giving helping my financial, you know, my financial uh, fitness or peace? But it does, man. Yeah. Generous people mm-hmm. just live better lives. They're more joyful. Um, you know, but it comes down to you guys need a plan. To right. Win, to win and with I, money, you need a plan. Right. And I don't think from reading the question that there is a game plan there. Um, and you, when you don't have a game plan, you will be spinning your wheels. You, you know, people make a plan for re- retirement, for vacation, for, you know, you need a game plan for your money every week. Yeah, yeah, and you're really good, Lisa, as well. When people come in and they just kind of like they throw it, yeah, yeah, like, hey, listen, I got a mess and I don't know what to do. Mm. Well, f- then let's take a look. You know, we need to know what is coming out and let's find out where is it going. You got to have a game plan and decide what is most valuable to you. You know, what do you want your life to look at? And when you set those big goals of, man, why are we trying to clean up our financial future? You know, what, what would our life look like if we were out of debt? And we had no mortgage payment or no student loans and car payments. Those are the type of goals that will get you through these small little, you know, uh, spending and, you know, saving, fighting. You know, what are the goals? What, why, why, if we can clean up our finances now, what can that look like later? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I have the same thing. I'm not positive where they're coming from, but I would say just start into that slowly, you know. And if, if it's an issue where your husband's saying, like, no, we're not giving any of our money, yeah, I would say, Feel free to give 10% of your income, tithe from your income, but make it a goal to work towards both of you guys getting on the same page and getting to where you need to be as a couple. Mm. You know, that, that would and, be my encouragement. And if he is not going to church or not a believer, then I would say pray. Yes. Mm. yes. Pray, pray. Don't stop praying. Definitely want to get on that same page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lift it up to the Lord. So kind of changing gears here from the tithing into a kind of a spending and saving. Mm. Uh, We're going to go into this next question, uh, multi-part question that I think we're going to have some fun answering. So, hi, I have a blended family, second marriage with children from a previous marriage. My husband has children from a previous relationship, ages 21 and 20. We constantly have arguments about money when it comes to giving to them. I have two at home, one is in school and works The other only works. For the most part, they pay all their personal expenses. The oldest pays $200 room and board for the month. He has two daughters that have not made the best life choices. Both dropped out of high school. Teenage moms live with boyfriends that can't provide. And I struggle with my husband giving money all of the time to them for non-essentials. He is adamant that he will help as long as he can for his grandchildren. I think his daughters manipulate him, using his granddaughters as an excuse It has come to the point where I had to separate our bank accounts so that we do not argue anymore about money. I want to buy a house within the next two years, and I feel this is the only way. What are your thoughts on separate bank accounts in marriage? All right, Joey, deep breath. That's a lot to unpack right there. Yeah, so first off, let's say this. You know, when you're dealing with finances and family and children, it's emotional and it's tough. Mm. You know, 
a lot of us deal with that. Money is just an emotional thing. As far as the separate bank accounts go, you know, when you get up to the altar, he doesn't say, you know, and now you become one ish or one with two separate bank accounts. You know, you become one biblically, you know, two become one. And biblical finances are the same thing. You know, really, as we look at this, and Lisa would probably say the same thing. I don't think you necessarily have a money or finance problem. I think you have a marriage problem, mm, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's really what it speaks to with all the disarray with finances. The other thing I would say, you know, and this is just me personally, you know, I'm not going to support when I have children. If they're not following the Lord, right, and they're not doing and understanding the, the purpose of the, of the finances that God has entrusted with them, I'm not going to support non-Christian behavior mm. and, you know, because it's not going to be a blessing to them. It's a burden. You're, you know, we talked about it on stage uh, last week. If your child was addicted to heroin, you're not going to support that because you know, right. it's, you're not going to feed money into that. It's not a blessing. It's a burden. So that's how I would view it that, listen, if you understand and grasp the potential and the purpose of this money, then yes, I will make it available to you, but I will not be I would not be being a good steward to God of his money to entrust it with somebody who is not, you know, fully, uh, you know, using it the correct way. Mm. Yeah. And that, that word that he uses there in the Greek for flesh is sarka. And that's, that's a, a broader spectrum. It's really everything that you as a couple need to survive together. It's physical, emotional, it's feelings, it's, it is economics, but it's all those things coming together as one. Mm. So I agree, you know, that is the bigger issue. Like, what do we need to fix broader than just the finances? Right. Yeah. And we, and as a church, you know, I know we have multiple avenues to help people in the church that are hurting. So find a Christian counselor, yes. you know, approach uh, a small group or, uh, you know, the leadership team, an elder here at the church. We want to pray with you. We want to work with you. But it does sound like it's something underlying, not as much finances as it is the actual marriage itself that could use some healing. Mm, that could just be a piece of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's not one of those things where you, sleep in the same bed and then live two totally different lives. It's, it's, a, it's a thing we do together from start to finish. And I think that's what we need to do is look to the, the finish and, and see how we get together and move forward from there with Christian counseling and moving forward. I Amen. totally agree with that. Mm. Our next question, what does the Bible say about saving? Is it a matter of being a good steward of our money or does Christ tell us not to worry about tomorrow? Does it show a lack of faith? Yeah, I mean, if you want to read the wisdom of the Bible and finances, mm. jump into Proverbs. I mean, it is all over the place. God is very intentional and uh, about talking about money because he knows it grabs at the heart. And, you know, there's multiple Proverbs. Proverbs 21.20, the wise mm. store up choice food and, all, and oils, but a fool, you know, gulps all that they have. So don't get offended by us. You know, that, that's God saying, if you spend all that you make, everything comes in, everything goes out. By definition, you're a fool, you know? So uh, other Proverbs, the plans of a diligent lead to profit. Uh, a wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't. You know, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Saving is a, such an emotional and intentional thing. If you don't make it a priority, you'll never do it. Mm. We see that all the time in class. People say, you know, I just can't save but they never make it a priority. It's not an emotional decision that I'm going to save. I'm going to tithe. And when they do that, they can. We've seen it in the last 20 years. People just want things instantaneously. They're not even saving. I mean, there used to be a layaway plan where you would pay. <laughs> yeah. Once you got the, once you paid enough, you would get the item. Now people just want it, and they walk away with the debt, and they're okay with that. 
And you shouldn't be okay with that. Right. Yeah, and to answer the question, you know, does Christ tell us to not worry about tomorrow? You know, he doesn't tell us to be stupid. He doesn't tell us to be stupid. <laughs> right. God's saying don't worry about the uncontrollables in your life that, you know, have trust and faith in him. Finances is a very emotional, intentional thing that mm-hmm. you have control of. God has given us that control to use our finances as is. Now, he's going to bring the rain, but you need to put your hand to the plow and work. Yeah, when you look at the parable of the talents, you know, mm-hmm. who who was the one that came out on top there? The one that was wise with what was given to him. You know, when you're... When you're able to be trustworthy with a little, Christ will give you more and more and show you that you can be trustworthy with more than that. And that's really what it goes to. So not just saving, but just being diligent with your finances as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Making smart decisions and moving in the direction that Christ wants you to. I do believe it is our spiritual duty as Christians to manage God's money well, because if we don't, where does it go? It goes to the other side, right? It goes to the people mm. that are not of, of, of faith, and they get to build up the world that, that they want. You know, so I do believe that there's a lot of uh, responsibility in managing God's money well. Absolutely. Now, the next question we're going to here is one that I think most everybody it's going to resound a little bit with. But before we do that, we're going to take a break for an advertisement, and we will be back right after this. The Deep End with Tim Hatch is made possible by contributions from listeners and viewers like you. If you would like to partner with us to support this ministry, you can go to thedeepend.tv forward slash partner or on the Cash App with hashtag thedeependtv. All right, welcome back. Now, uh, this is one that I know is going to resound with a lot of people. It's a big question that, you know, it needs an answer. It is how can you break a cycle of frivolous spending. Now, I mean, my, my gut instinct on that one right off the bat is that it's just like any addiction. You know, spending money, mm-hmm. it doesn't manifest itself like other addictions do, but it's an addiction. It's an addiction to watching your money go out and things come in. Yeah. And just like with any addiction, it is a conscious effort on your part through prayer, through fasting, through supplication to break that cycle and decide this is the moment. I'm going to stop now, but it's one of those things. Addictions are tough, and trying to break it by yourself is a difficult thing to do. So seek out help. Seek biblical help. Seek Christian counseling, prayer, fasting. That's how you get there. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would say, you know, when it comes down to are you truly sick of your situation, right? You're mm. just so done with, with everything comes in, everything goes out. You work all week. You have no money to show for it. You deal with the boss. You deal with the commute. You deal with the childcare. All these different things. You know, are you actually sick enough to make changes to your behavior? If the answer is no, then to be honest with you, probably nothing's going to change. Right. If the answer is yes, then you are in a great spot because the realization we see all the time in financial pieces when somebody realizes they have been the problem mm. and now they get to become the solution. Boom, you know, that you have control over your finances. There's an empowerment that comes to that, and we all have it. It just depends on what is most important to you. Every time you have money in your hand, you get to decide that. Immediately, what comes to my mind is just grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop. Um, Figure out where you're spending. And and you know, we, we all, whether it be Starbucks, whether it be shoes, whether it be clothing, whether it be dining out, Everybody, if you if you look at your debit card or your credit card statements, wherever you're spending your money, identify where you're spending and set some guidelines and 
set some practical realization numbers that fit into your budget. Um, we're not saying don't live. We're not saying that. What we're saying is make a plan and stick to it. And this is where I say just grow up. Just stop the madness. Yeah. And that one, and that's, it's kind of hard, but that's what Lisa's good at. She's good at just giving you the truth. So that's why I love her. One practical thing that we talk about in class is the envelope system. Mm. So yes. areas where it's really tough to control spending. You're saying, man, I, I just can't get my clothing budget or my grocery budget under control or my um, gas budget. If you, on purpose, on paper, let's say $400 was your uh, food budget for the month, putting that in an envelope and using cold, hard cash, I mm. promise your shopping habits will change. It's a little different when you got to break that $100 bill at the cash register instead of swiping that card and not feeling the weight of the purchase. So areas where you're saying you're really struggling, you know, Starbucks coffee. Heck, if you want to give yourself 20 bucks, put that in an envelope. And when that 20 bucks is gone, you have no more Starbucks that's coffee. That's so it. That's, that's it. it. That's, a real, that's a really practical way to... Uh, control the things that you think are, man, I'm not even doing it on purpose. I just don't think, and I just get out it's of control. It's a habit. Yeah, it's a It's habit. more because people go out to eat because it's a habit. It's We go out every Friday. We go out every Saturday. Oh, we go out now every Sunday. And so you're not, you just fall into that habit. Or you go shopping when you, you're stressed because you're stressed out and you just want to shop. You don't want to be home. You just want to shop. Right, yeah. It, it's just a bad habit that you've formed. It's, it's, you need to change it. Right, yep. Yeah, something that I've done with my kids and it helps me to, in my head, kind of quantify things too is I relate it to them in the, the terms of the time it takes me. Mm. So even if I am using that card, like they're like, Dad, can we get this? And I'm like, no, that's too expensive. They're like, well, it's not too bad. And I'm like, no, what you don't understand is Dad has to work three hours to be able to buy that. And then they're kind of like, oh, well, I know you're gone all day and I don't see you and no. I don't want you gone another three hours. So to relate it to like, okay, you want that? Well, how long will it take you to get that money back if you use it right now and to I understand like, oh man, hours, that's, I can understand that a lot better than I'm just swiping, swiping, mm. swiping. Like, oh, I just swiped away three hours of my time gone like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I love that. We talk about that. That kind of is a good segue. You know, sometimes your situation, it seems so messy, but if your why is that mm. you can, you, your kids are watching, you know, and you can educate your children. You know, they don't have to fall in to the same pattern of each generation. It takes one generation to stand up and say, no more. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that nobody else in my household is uneducated on credit card debt and uneducated on student loans. So you can change, and there's, that's the potential of you making the stand today is that your kids are watching. And just like that, you know, mm -hmm. that's how you build good habits and change a family tree. Absolutely. Kids are always watching. Yeah. They will learn more from your actions than from what you tell them. They also have memories that we don't have, and they'll bring it back to you months <laughs> later. Yeah. How do you remember that? That's great. Question six. Is it okay to enjoy splurging on non-essentials like nice trips or date nights if we have it in the budget? We always feel guilty that there are so many less fortunate, starving, sick people around the world that we should be helping. I mean, that question is definitely one of those that's coming from a good place. Mm, yeah, it's, um, it's the guilt of splurging. And God is a loving God, and he wants, he wants great things for you. He wants nice things for you. It's not bad to have nice things. It's not bad to go on vacation, to have a nice car. He doesn't want those things to have you. Amen, yeah. yeah. Um, and 
when we talk about splurging or spending, we always look at things like save, spend, and give. And each is a financial opportunity. And if you're only doing one of the three, then you know, you're missing out. And you need to be saving some money each paycheck. You need to be giving, and, and, you, sh- and you should be spending um, some yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Really, there's you know there's three things, right? Like she said, we can do with money. You can save it, mm-hmm. you can spend it, and you can give it. And a, a full financial portfolio with that has peace and has joy has some of all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're doing any one of them, uh, in, or only two of them, and not three of them, you're not going to live fully fulfilled in your finances. So if, if you're just saving and you're not giving and you're not spending, what type of life is that? wants to hang out with the guy who's got a billion bucks in the bank but gives none and spends none right. you know what i mean and to the same point who wants to hang out with the guy that spends three times what he makes and has lives this instagram life that's not even real you know so god is god wants you to have nice things and we want you to have nice things like she said we just don't want those things to have you mm. absolutely and i i like that they you know they led right here with if we have it in the budget like you're already on the right path you're right. talking about your budget like is part of that tithing, is part of that giving, then what's left over is, is for you to enjoy. I mean, God yeah. wants you to enjoy that life. What I would say, because it's happened to me before, is maybe there's a specific blessing that God has for you, and maybe he's waiting for that opportunity. So spend some time in prayer listening and seeing if God has something specific for you. I just talked about it this past week where you know we were saving money and trying to go through our second adoption, and we felt God tell us, you need to give some money to an organization. We did that for the cleft lip repair, mm. and then our daughter came back with that same repaired surgery that somebody else had given into. So maybe, wow. you know, I'm not saying that God has, you know, in the cards for you to adopt. Maybe he does. That would be great. I can talk to you about that. But <laughs> there could be a specific blessing out there that God wants you to have. So spend some time praying about it and seeing what that, what that is. Mm. But definitely don't feel bad spending your budgeted money on you and date nights and, and on living life. Yeah, that's the best part about a budget. You can, if you tell your budget... You have a $200 for your date night. You don't have to go feel guilty mm. when you go on date night. That was in the budget. And you're still doing your 401k. You're still you know, paying off your debt or saving or doing whatever. That was a budgeted item. So it gives you control. And you can just kind of take a deep breath, man. We're on the right path. We're doing everything we want to do. And we budgeted for our date night. And we can just enjoy it. Yeah, talking about enjoying things and saving, that's one thing that the story you told about saving up for the wedding, that mm. like really you know, hit me hard because yeah. I realized like, to see a guy young and realize I need to speak into my own future, like that's just fantastic. That was a great story. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, man, that's eight years of prayer. Yeah, <laughs> my mom's twenty-eight years. So, uh, you know, yeah, just you know, it talks about you don't want to let things with with money. We want to use wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that we all have major purchases coming up, whether it's a car, college, a house, uh, you know, whatever. We don't want to let those things just drop on our lap. You know, so that, 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 you know, we're not just budgeting so that we can have pay less for our cable bill, right? We're budgeting right. so that we can use wisdom with God's money and win with finances. Uh, and that just talks about, man, it's a long-term view. Mm-hmm. And you delay your short-term pleasures to win with money because the tortoise wins, not the hare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and on that, um, I do want to emphasize it is important to have date night with your spouse. It is important to have appointments and do things with your yes. kids. They don't all have to cost money. There's the, the library is a great tool. They have passes. There's uh, state parks. There's so many things you can do for free. And most of the time at the end of the day, people just want time. Yeah. If you're a married couple, 
spend time together. If you have time with your kids, grab a ball and just mm. go shoot hoop. Um, it's, it's time. That's what most people want yeah. with yeah. other people. It's not stuff. Yeah, a lot of times just a, uh, you know, a Netflix and, and, and hang out with some friends at the house and make a pizza is yeah. much better than no one wants to go spend 250 bucks on all this stuff, you know. So yeah. you can still be in the world and enjoying this mm-hmm. life without crushing your financial dreams in the process. Mm. Absolutely. And, and when you talk about being wise, it's the reason Solomon asked for wisdom because with it comes all of these other things. It comes the success and the, the willingness and the, the being able to save your money comes with all that because once you know how to do those mm. things, it all perpetuates on top of each other. That's why that wisdom's key. I'm glad you said that multiple times because yeah. it really mm. is key to it all. Yeah, absolutely. Making those smart decisions. Yes. Now yes. we switch to a kind of a worldview, some questions that we need to get some different perspective on and speak really like, what does the Bible say about these things? In the 2000s, Oprah made the book The Secret wildly popular teaching that we can attract wealth into our lives through the law of attraction. The book claims that this practice is based on Matthew 21, 22, ask, believe, and receive. Is it sinful for a Christian to engage in the law of attraction teachings? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't want a big Oprah follower. Uh, yep. I don't sit down and watch Oprah. My mom likes Dr. Phil. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but to be honest, listen, in Corinthians, I mean, they talk about, you know, bad company corrupts good character, you know, Mm -hmm. so from a Christian perspective, I would say maybe from the uh, the other end of the spectrum, hanging out with good company, people that are wise financially, that are invested in their future, that want good things for you, that don't live on debt and try to live up to this Instagram persona, yeah, that probably will want you to, to, to exceed more and go after more, so if that's the law of attraction, great. Um, my initial reaction when I hear that is, Man, you winning with money is is about action. You got to put your hand to the plow, and you got to do it, and you got to work. God said to to tend the fields. You know, He'll mm. bring the rain. You can't just wish good things into your life. I mean, there's prayer, but God's not going to just fix your problems, right? God wants to affect you, fix your heart. You know, so the law of attraction. I mean, I, I don't know. Hang out with good people, and good things happen. Is that what that means? I think that's what they're going for there. But I mean, yes, there is a lot to say about speaking things into and asking specifically for things. Sure. But the problem is when we see in Isaiah, our thoughts aren't his thoughts. Our ways aren't his ways. Mm. You'll know them by their fruits. You know, Are you asking for things that will exemplify the fruits of the Spirit in other... Like you, People will be able to see that through what you're asking. I mean, I, I don't think God's out dealing in Ferraris, but <laughs> you know, that's the big concern there. It's like, what are you asking for? Like, if you're giving, saying, yeah, you know, if you follow this law, all you do is ask, and it's going to be giving there. It's not a genie. But if you're asking for things that are fruitful and will be fruitful for the kingdom, then, yeah, God's going to provide a way for those things. Mm-hmm. Not those things. It's not just going to show up, but he'll provide you a way to provide those things for yourself and for others and to be able to be a blessing on people. Yeah. Yeah, you need to work your butt off, and you need to pray and let God handle the uncontrollables, but you got to work, man. A mm-hmm. goal without, a, you know, a wish without a plan is, or a wish without a, uh, uh, excuse me, a plan without a goal is a wish. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you can't just wish these things to happen. You got to have a plan, a written game plan of how am I going to win this month, you know, this week, this year? How are we going to win in all areas of your life? Not just finance, but God 
tells us, put your hand on the plow and work. There's so mm-hmm. many people out here that are like waiting for God to drop finances in their lap or jobs into their lap. You got to go out and get it and pray and, and let the prayer do the rest. But you got to work. Shut the TV off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, working in the in the natural and in the now is a necessity. But what are we really trying to store up for? What are we waiting for? What are we really investing in? That just like you said when we started that eternal four hundred one k. That's where we should be focusing. So, what are you asking for? Yeah, and a, and a lot of times, you know, God's not going to give you something you can't handle. Mm. So sometimes the answer is no from God because you can't mm. handle it. And and sometimes His answer is not anything of what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It may not be that job because that job's going to require you to be gone eighty hours a week. Right, and no. you know, you think that's what you want, but God shuts that door. Yeah. And just again, like talking about being trustworthy with a little bit, you know, show that you're trustworthy mm. with a little before God's going to just open the floodgates for you. Right. Yeah. You know, with that expectation. Mm. All right. Question eight. Should a Christian avoid starting a business and being a business partner with a non-Christian? A non-Christian family member often brings up starting a business with me, but I hesitate because I know that he would never view finances or leadership through the lens of Christ, am I being narrow-minded? Well, it sounds like the guy already knows his answer, but he wants to ask the question, right? You know, from what we see going into, and this is just not from a Christian perspective, but in the world, going into business with a family member or a friend is a great way to destroy that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, heck, if it, if it does work out like that, then then fine. But I think you need to have a couple overarching things. You know, what is our why? You know, what's the vision of uh, of your company, you know, is it going to get to the point where your goals and your visions aren't the same? You know, or do you want to be a generous uh, company that is investing in the local community and the local surroundings? And his plan is just to get rich and live on a yacht. You know, mm. so do you actually have a good a, a, a an answer to a problem? Do you have something that the market wants and needs? That's just the beginning of it. You know, do you have a a game plan to win from there? And then if that does work out, you know. How does the long-term vision of the company match up with each other? Because mm. if it doesn't, eventually you're going to get to that problem, I would believe. Yeah, and I just want to add in, I, uh, I got Tony's comments on this one. Yeah. Um, my husband's in uh, Elder Hair at Waters, and he has a small business. So um, I wanted to get his input on this, so I'm going to read this. Um, he says, starting a business with someone is a big deal. First things first, do you have a plan? Proverbs 21 Five, the plan of the diligent leads surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Just because you have a good idea doesn't mean you should do it. You must fill a need, provide value, promote it, and manage all aspects, the people, the process, and especially the money. As the question is posed, I sense some hesitation. If the plan cannot be put in writing with both in agreement on all the details, then don't go any further. Hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Don't go into debt on it. Don't bet the farm. Do know the market and the competition. And if you're a business person, then you'll understand the SWAT, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, two people being followers of Christ does not mean that there will not be disagreements. Get a clear business plan and a financial plan in writing before starting a business to reduce chances of misunderstandings. And also the SBA, the Small Business Administration, sba.gov is a great source. Some great wisdom from Tony, a wise man that uh, has seen God uh, bless him through his faithfulness. Mm. I think that it, 
uh, either way, starting a business with a non-Christian or a Christian doesn't mean it's going to be successful or unsuccessful. Right. You know, you can go into business with a Christian, and if it's a bad business, it's going to fail. You know, so uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I would just be tending to be uh, skeptical or looking at why would going into business with family or a friend on something you don't want to do. It sounds like guy already has his answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's the first thing I thought of was exactly what Tony said. Like, if, if this is something you want to move forward on, you decide, like, I, I do want to go down that path. You need to have specific things in writing with an expectation up front that you don't waver on. You know, don't have concessions because he's a non-believer. If your beliefs are strong enough that I want to financially and through leadership this to be a Christian-based business, have that firm in writing. And if you can't sign off on that, that's it. That's your answer. Yeah. So, But cautiously, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Question nine. Are student loans considered non-biblical in the sense that we go into debt for them? Well, I think, you know, once again, we're, we're not talking, not, most things we're talking about today are not salvation issues. You know, just because you have student loan debt or credit card, that doesn't mean that you won't go to heaven. God has given us instruction mm. that he knows the handcuffing nature of debt. You know, the borrower is slave to the lender. What a great illustration that is, an image of the handcuffing nature of debt. We see people come in all the time to, in class, and they're just so handcuffed. They can't get out of it because debt is just strangling them. They're in the storm. Yeah, they're in the storm mm. because they have payments all over the place. So uh, I'm not against university. I don't think any of us are against education. No, we, we're right? all for education. We're all yeah, for absolutely. education. We're against the education having you. Yes. Mm. You know, so this lie that the universities have sold you that you need to be in six figures of debt to graduate college and be successful is not true. It's basically not no. true. We talked about some avenues, you know, um, community college and in-state tuition, practical things to do. Working through college, yes. you know, studies Nothing wrong with the job. Yeah, studies show that uh, you know students that work twenty hours a week, twenty to twenty-five hours a week, have better grades than 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 ones that don't. So they learn structure. Yeah, they learn responsibility. Plus, they are, you know, learning yeah. along the way. Yeah, there's no need. I mean, we talked about this on stage. No one cares where you went to school, man. Right. Really don't. You know, so you don't need to go to that school, which is seventy thousand bucks a year, to get a job. That's just not true. Um, you know, so don't feel like that. The pressure of society is that you've got to go into student debt to get an education. That's not true. And also, not everybody's ready for college. A lot of people. I, I I talk to so many people, and their children are in college. What are they? What are they majoring? What are they studying? Oh, they haven't declared it yet. They have no idea what they right. want to do. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's one of the big fallacies that people are still battling through. Is that that's just the next next natural step. You graduate high school and you just go to college. No plan, no future that I know I want to do this, but I just go because that's what I'm supposed to do. And then you start compounding that debt because you're going to a place that you don't know why you're there. You don't know how long you're going to be there. But there's definitely ways to go through school and come out of it with little to no debt on the end because you've made the right decisions. You've gone night classes or you've mm -hmm. taken one or two classes at a time or just like you said, going to that community college for your gen ed to save that money, then decide, now I have a plan for my life. This is where I want to go. You know, if you're a doctor, yeah, you have to go to school. You can't become a doctor by practicing on the side. Mm. But there are still ways that you can do it and not cripple yourself in debt by doing so. And also, I would recommend if there is a area that you wish to explore, mm -hmm. 
mentor with someone. Mm. Look for a mentor. Look for somebody in that field. Ask them, can I follow you around? Can I ask you questions? Um, buy them a cup of coffee and, and, you know, talk to them about their experience. You may think that this is what you want to do, but after a conversation, you may find out that you don't really want to do those hours or you don't want to travel or you thought it was something totally different than what it really is. Yeah, you need to you need to view you need to have a very uh, clear view of what college mm-hmm. is. It's an investment in yes. your future. So if at the end of this investment you come out with two hundred grand in debt and a hand drumming degree, that wasn't a good investment. Yes, because there's not a market for that. So you want to go to to get a degree, uh, something that you feel passionate about that God's leading you towards, and that has an actual market and need in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. All the time I hear people with these crazy degrees and it's everyone else's fault that they can't get a job. And it's like, well, did you use any wisdom? Did you right. see what are people making? What are the people using that degree for? Do you actually need a master's after that as well? Or can that, is that degree useful in the marketplace? So I think most people are lazy and they don't do their homework. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, you, know, you go and you get a, that sounds good. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'll just go to college and I'll figure it out there and I'll get a job. And no party for four more years. Yeah, it's not true, and it will it will strangle your your future. It will hold you back from the things that God wants for you, uh, which is what we're seeing a lot in this generation. Just you know, the uh, student loan epide- epi- epidemic through the roof. I was with somebody last week, and she had one hundred and twenty thousand worth of debt. He had one hundred and ten. She wasn't paying it, so she took two years off paying it, and it's now one hundred and seventy. Wow. And they just bought a house. 400,000 mm. on top of it, and they get a baby. Unfortunately, that is not abnormal in our right. society right now. Yeah. You know, because... And they're just starting. Yeah. So don't, you know, use some wisdom. You know, if you if you know a kid that's in high school or college, try to get them educated. It's, it's, I cannot believe we're not talking about any financial, you know, aptitude and call basics. Yeah, yeah, in high school, um, you know, so... You just got to be careful with that stuff because it will. My wife specifically, uh, going to college, it's where we met. And I remember being just totally enamored by watching her pay her debt as she went through college. Mm. So she actually had a job that what she... What do you mean? You can do that? Yeah, right? You can work while you're in college? <laughs> no way. How am I, to, how am I going to have time to hang out and party and do all this other stuff? She she did. She forewent doing all mm. of those things. And she had a job. She worked her way through. And when she got out of college, she had hardly any debt because she had paid it off along the way to keep her interest rates from going up and having to pay twice what she should. And I remember looking and that just being, you know, speaking into my life, being like, how are you How are you doing that, working through college? And she graduated a semester early on top of that with a double major because she was being faithful to God through all the decisions she made. It, it definitely pays off. You talked about it earlier. How is tithing beneficial to your finances? Mm-hmm. When you're diligent mm-hmm. and you do what God wants for your life, you will see benefits beyond what other people can understand. Yeah, and um, then the other thing, too, is this, they still have tuition reimbursement. There are employers that will, you know, you can go get a job and go nights, nights and weekends. It's if you the degree is so important to you, find a way. So at the end of the day and at the when you graduate, you don't have this huge college debt. Yeah. Yeah. Big monkey on your back. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to move into some questions that I am going to take a backseat to and let you guys do the talking. Question 10. Hi, Pastor Tim and the Deep End team. I invest in the stock market with mutual funds as part of my retirement plan. Just this week, the stock market plunged lower than it has in years. 
The news says that many areas of the financial market will be affected for at least a few months, and we haven't seen how widespread this virus will be. I am worried about my accounts and don't know if I should stop putting money in them right now or invest in something else like treasury bonds. As a Christian, I want to be a good steward of what God has blessed me with. Well, there's one word that steps out to me there, news. Stop, turn Shut. off the news. Shut right? it off. They want to tell you about everything that's bad. And let me tell you about with investing, mm. the people on a long term, a 20, 30, 40 year investing period that you're doing for your retirement, the only people that get hurt on the roller coaster are the people that jump off. Yep. You know, the people that jumped off in 2008 because they freaked out, had they have just stayed on, the market almost fully rebounded the next the next year it came back. Mm. Yes. Over a five, you know. And they didn't lose everything. Yeah. They only lost, they lost 50, you know, I think it went down to 50%. Right. But then, you know, the very, but it recouped and it just it, it went back up. Yeah, the news didn't want to tell you. The media didn't no, want to tell you. They never told you that. You up. couldn't find that article anywhere. Right. So, you know, when you're looking at investing, you need to look at a long term game plan. You know, yes, if you need that money in a year or two. If and, you're retiring. If, yeah, if you're retiring. Then, and you still don't need the whole thing, though. If right. you're retiring, you're only taking out a little bit. Right. Yeah. So it's not like you need the whole thing. Yeah, there's been little to maybe none five-year increments of the market where it's actually lost money. And to, to be truthful, you know, as weird as it sounds, when the market drops and you're investing in your 401k, you need to view it as buying on discount, mm -hmm. right? You're buying stocks and mutual funds that are on a discounted rate so that it sounds weird, but you're stocking up so that when they do bounce back, you're that much more ahead of the curve, you know? So... Me, when the market drops, that's a buying opportunity because it's going to come back. I'm not going anywhere. You're just riding this thing out over a 20, 30, 40 year investing period. You know, the stock market, the S&P 500 has averaged 10 plus percent. It's actually not that risky of an investment when you look at it on a broad scale. You know, it's the people that, you know, they're just they're, they're like, panicking. They're hairs. They're yeah, panicking they, and they jump around. Mm. So personal opinion, still buying. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Just hang in there. Once again, I'm not an advisor. No, I don't. No. Plan, I don't uh, We're just giving you our personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. All right, question 11. Should I get out of the 401ks I have invested in equities, or should I buy equities if I have cash? Yeah, I mean, so single stock investments can be risky. You know, mm. I want you to picture like this. If all your money was in Facebook and Facebook plummets, Look at Enron. Yeah, you, Enron. your money plummets. Yep. So what we talk about, a good financial portfolio has diversification. And one one way to do that is through what's called mutual funds. Um, in picture, a mutual fund, you know, the most famous one is the S&P 500. So it's 500 of the largest stocks in America in one fund. So, yeah, Facebook might have went down, but Amazon went up and uh, Apple went up. and So know, overall. Yeah, Google might have went down, but as a whole... The mutual fund isn't as risky because it's it's an average of the of all five hundred. So those, you know, those are really where you should be investing for long term, slow and steady uh, wins the race type investing. You know, versus a single stock. Yeah, they're not the most flashy. They're not the ones that you read that your buddy tells you that he picked out this winning stock and it quadrupled. I mean, you got that phone call. Buy now. Buy now. Yeah. Time's yep. running out. Buy the Bitcoin. They don't tell you <laughs> on the ones that lose. He just gives you the one that win. But really. With, with investing, we uh, they talk about in class that's called the KISS. Keep it simple, stupid, right? It's about slow and steady, diligence, mm -hmm. uh, consistently investing over time. That's how you build wealth. All right, and now we're ending with a legacy. Mm -hmm. This is a great question. 
Do you feel that leaving an inheritance to the church or a missionary organization is a good part of your will or end-of-life planning? How can you make sure it will be used as you designated it to be? I would have to start and say if God's put that on your heart, then yes. And we're not saying do this blindly, um, whether it be um, to a, a, your church, to um, a church, to a organization, do your research, do your due diligence, find out how where their money's going. And if, if it's an organization that you support, do your research, find out where the money's going, what's going, you know, what, what are they supporting? What are they involved in? And get more interested and educated on what they're doing mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that's the that's the power of wealth right yeah. it can it can be so exponential that you can pick different buckets to put it in and that's why it's so important to get your stuff cleaned up now because when you do pass away you want to leave an inheritance and you want to change your family tree and use other things that god has opened your eyes to to you know to bless other people as far as you know deciding where the church goes if i was leaving a large inheritance i would want to talk to leadership and see you know, what, what areas of the church are, are holding back the gospel moving forward? Where can we help and how can we make sure we get those things funded? Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to go blindly. It's called wisdom, right? God wants us to use wisdom with his money. You never invest in something you don't understand ever. You always make sure you un- understand it's your money and you never give to something that you don't uh, feel God leading you to and that you don't understand, uh, especially with a large amount of like that. We're not just going to give to some you know, TV pastor that we don't even know where the money's going, right? You know, there's... We're called to be good stewards. Good stewards, correct. That's the word. You know, when... when, And and we have to be. When God entrusts us, it's... Then the next step is ours. What are you doing with your money? What are you doing, you know, when you do perish, when when you do pass? Where is your money going? And it's so important to do your research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, giving to the kingdom is always a good thing. Nobody's ever going to tell you that investing in the eternal is a bad thing. Mm. But make sure that you can trust and rely on the resources. Like if you know I want to give my money to this place, just know that that's a place you trust. And denote your money for something. Just like you said, talk to leadership and say, this is the specific place I want my money to go. Mm. Write that in. I mean, th- those wills are contracts. They're binding. Oh. So if you say this is the specific place, that's where they have to use it. So that's... Yeah, use prayer. You know, I, I do. I believe you know God will will show you where where those finances are best put. Um, there is anyway. He'll show you where he wants. Right. It. Yeah, and it's it's part of end of life planning, and yep. we are called yep. to take care of take care of our household, and end of life planning is part of it. Absolutely. Now, I hope that as we wrap up here, you guys have been adequately, you know, had your questions answered. I hope that you've been blessed. What we've had, but good news. If you haven't had your questions answered and you have more or this has spurred in you an interest to change your finances, change the way you think about money, we have an opportunity to sign up for Financial Peace University for a second session. That's exciting news. Yeah, I can't wait. We're, uh, we're finishing up a, 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 uh, a semester now, which will be ending right at the beginning of April, and we're going to try to time it up. So just as Pastor Tim finishes up this money series, we're going to give you guys, uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, push you need to say all the, okay, tools. Yeah, all the tools you want that if it's time for you to take action and I'm saying it is, you know, it's, this is your time 
Uh, we're going to be plugging in, I think it's going to be April 19th? That's correct, April 19th. It'll be Sunday morning, so we'll kind of get you guys in there before you get off to the beach or whatever. If we run into the, the summer, it'll be nine straight weeks. Um, we we have might, child care. We're going we're gonna to go. Uh, we're going to do it over 10 because we're going to take Memorial Day weekend off. Awesome. But this is your chance. You know, If God has put it on your heart that, man, 2020 is the year that I want to take control of what God has blessed me with and be intentional and emotional with it, this is your chance. And just to explain what Financial Peace University is, it's a nine-week class, and it's your numbers. We don't look at your numbers as facilitators. We're there to come alongside, pray with you, encourage you, help you. Um, you you got to do your homework. It's all your numbers. You will get out of it what you put into it. Mm-hmm. But each lesson is individual, and you will learn great stuff each week. So we encourage you to sign up. Yes, we'll be praying over that. Don't miss any of the uh, series that uh, Pastor Tim has going on right now, and let's translate this into a, uh, a great 2020. Absolutely. Mm. So that is, just so you have the details, it's going to be April 19th through June 21st, and it's going to be 9.15 to 10.45 on those Sundays. We will have child care. Bring them right into the Waters Kids area. We'll take care of them so that you guys can just relax, get your minds right, and enjoy that class and get out of it what you're going to put into it. Mm. Yep. I thank you Amen. both so much for being here. I thank you for your input and for your willingness to be here and share your experiences and your knowledge from a, a biblically sound place. It really is something the world needs, and I appreciate you both for that. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, make sure you guys go to our YouTube page and subscribe so that more people can get in touch with us. Go to youtube.com slash TV and subscribe. Tim will be back in two weeks. He wants you here next week for First Tuesday. Come and be part of that and then join us back on the deep end two weeks from now on St. Patrick's Day where Pastor Tim will be back and will continue his study in Acts. Thank you guys so much. That's the deep end. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. We pray it helps you grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. If you don't already have a home church, we invite you to come out to one of our campuses this weekend. Check us out at waterschurch.org to find a location near you and a service time that fits your schedule. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of The Deep End with Tim Hatch.